0: Building relationships inside of your company is one of the biggest unlocks, in my opinion, as, that you can do as a marketer, meaning partnering with your client success team to understand you know, what clients are saying about our products, what the feedback is, what are we doing for them.
1: to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies, or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today, we're talking about driving more effective marketing partnerships, not only with outside partners, but internally as well. We'll touch on conversational texting, what is it, how it impacts business, and more. To help us, we have with us Jonathan Pogat, VP of Marketing for Drips, a conversational texting platform. He also holds advisory board positions with Dariah University and the Direct Marketing Association. Jonathan, thank you for taking the time and welcome to the show.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: So I normally ask at the beginning a really odd question just for people to get you, but there was something that was in the packet of information that was provided to me that I just need to know more about. Maybe it's my addiction to law and order, I don't know. But it said in there that you were an expert witness
0: on trial. Help me, help me understand this. Yeah, that was definitely one of the more interesting experiences uh, in my life. But uh, I was working at an agency, a direct marketing agency, uh, in my mid-20s. And uh, one of the clients I was working with um, ended up in a lawsuit. I can't divulge too much about that. But he asked if I would be kind of an expert witness to talk about just some facts around response rate and some other questions that they had that they were going to ask me on the stand to help build their case. And it was pretty wild. So I don't know anyone else that's been an expert witness in a, in a marketing kind of lawsuit, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, so maybe this experience is uniquely my own, but, um, so one thing about witnesses is that you don't want to be a a paid witness because that could help influence, uh, the information that you might provide. It might be biased, right? So I was an unpaid witness and, uh, for somebody in their mid-20s, it was really exciting to be flown out. Uh, this case happened at the uh, LA County Court. I was put up in a you know in a, a condo in Santa Monica. It was just a wild ride. Wow. The whole thing ended up taking about 15 minutes on the stand <laughs> or so, but it was just a, a wild experience. Uh, I'd love to revisit myself in my early 20s, sitting on a stand at the LA County Court talking about marketing, but it's a nice little Easter egg that I include in my bio.
1: Yeah, no, it definitely it definitely caught my attention for sure. <laughs> all right, so let's start with, you know, partnering across an organization with areas other than marketing. It can be sales, product, client success. This is often a challenge for organizations of all sizes, especially as they continue to grow, right? Most organizations have a tendency to end up rather siloed and segmented. So I'm curious to know how you how you approached it, how you how you were able to come up with a solution that drives or an approach that drives that type of alignment.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is, this is a challenge everywhere. It's one that I haven't completely solved. I think it's something that's always in progress, right? Um, building relationships inside of your company is one of the biggest unlocks, in my opinion, that you can do as a marketer, meaning Partnering with your client success team to understand, you know, what clients are saying about our products, what the feedback is, what are we doing for them? What are some of those interesting use cases that you can peel away from those relationships that your AMs and CSMs have created already to help tell better stories? And it's not just better stories for marketing, it's better stories for sales. So likewise, getting feedback from them, understanding what their feedback is, they're kind of boots on the ground. So they're, they're hearing firsthand how uh, prospects are reacting to our solution, our messaging, even the use cases that came from customer and client success, and it just goes all around. It's important to have that feedback loop in place. It's super difficult to do just because we're all really busy, especially if you're part of a fast-growing company like we are, where we've got, you know, we've got to stuff 27 hours into a 24-hour day somehow. (laughs) Um, And uh, it's been super valuable for me, something I'm still working on getting better at
1: well and, and in addition to driving you know that alignment and that understanding from marketing to other organizations like sales and product there's also this often overlooked i think relationship and that's with the cfo i mean sales individuals and, and marketing individuals uh, are often seen, not by all CFOs, but by many as, as a cost center. Uh, yeah. Although I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. And sales professionals are often looked at as overpaid and easily to replace. So how do you develop that critical relationship with the, with the CFO?
0: I think you, you really hit on it there, right? Nobody, no marketer wants to be seen as a cost center. Uh, no salesperson wants to be seen as overpaid, right? And the CFO has a lot of access to data and i think understanding (laughs) what data they're looking at is going to help you be successful or not in some circumstances right because i think one of the most important things is just getting on the same page in terms of what's important you know what the expectation is so while the CFO has access to, at least ours does, our ROI or Salesforce dashboards, uh, our expenditures, what we spent, they might not be so up to speed on what we're doing on the branding side, what dollars are being allocated towards general branding or increasing our reach or with partnerships, what's long-term versus short-term and just getting on the same page there. And, and I've learned so much from our CFO already, just in terms of like what, what some of his priorities are and how we can align with them. And at the same time, just explaining what our priorities are and how we could just be on the same page. And he's backed me up on things like conference contracts, which is something that I I honestly wasn't thinking about during this COVID period where, you know, no conference has opt-out language that allows a business to, I don't know, opt out or seek relief during this time. And it was something that he thought of, and he's been integral in that process and doing those negotiations for me and just making better decisions together. I think it's been great.
1: And it's about it's about having that conversation. It's about the transparency, right? Making sure everybody's in alignment.
0: That's what it is. It's, it's about doing, you know, it's about doing what's right. Not always, you know, uh, who's right. It's uh, about getting alignment and starting the conversation. Sometimes that's the hardest part. Yeah. Without it now, without a doubt. There have been more than a few CFOs in my
1: career where that conversation was very difficult to start. Yeah. So let's all right. So that's inside the company. Let's talk about partnerships outside the company. And in the in the bioinformation center, we call it hand-to-hand combat marketing. It reads like a slightly different approach than I've seen before. So what do you what do you mean by this? What does it look like? help, help our audience understand that.
0: For sure. So a little background on us, we're about a now we're about a four-year-old company. Um, you know, we grew out of startup into scale up fairly quickly. We've been very grateful to do that in such a short period of time. And you know, part of our success formula has been in how we develop relationships with clients that serve our ideal client profile. And sometimes those clients or those partners are much bigger than us, which which helps both sides. It's not always just about us taking advantage of their brand equity and their clients. It's about them being able to take advantage of our agility, our ability to execute quickly, our ability to go to market much faster without red tape. So it's been mutually beneficial, but we have, we, we kind of look at partnerships in, in terms of like five pillars. One, are you even ready to have a partnership marketing function within your company? I.e. do you have influence in your space? That's something you definitely have to have. You know, when, when DRIPS was started, we focused specifically on conversational texting, which I'm sure we'll talk about. We have an ideal client profile that's very specific. And you need to have somebody in the marketing department and somebody that can own this. And you have to be generating revenue, in my opinion. Then it's about identifying the right partners, giving value first. Uh, something super important in this process is giving without expectation. That could be hosting dinners for, at conferences, inviting them to your client dinners, building case studies, using kind of whatever your superpower might be as a marketing <laughs> organization, et cetera. It's always about giving without expectation at first. Then it's about scaling, you know, identifying who those partners are, but only picking less, a handful or less so that you can make impact. And then it's about operationalizing. Which we define as staying in your weight class, right? Like, it would be amazing for us to partner, quote unquote, with uh, with Google. But what do we mean to Google? It right. might be a little bit difficult to make that argument, right? Um, and just having alignment across the board.
1: I think those. I think those are five fantastic, you know, pillars. The partnership marketing is is a challenge for for many individuals. Some can't. I don't. Some organizations. I don't think have ever really been able to wrap their heads around it quite honestly but you did mention the conversational texting and I have to ask I know texting I don't know if that's fortunate or unfortunate but what is conversational texting help help the audience understand what it is how's it work and in specifically in a business environment how should you use it effectively without crossing some unknown line
0: yeah of course Um, conversational texting is all about helping brands have conversations with their prospects and customers when it matters to them. At a time where brands have questions and a time where prospects are looking for answers, it's about meeting them in the middle with what we call like asynchronous, one-to-one, humanized, I'll use some air quotes there, conversations yeah. that feel like you're having a conversation directly with an individual in a way that can go on for sometimes hours, days, and weeks, all with the intention of getting them back on the phone. So it's always about, at least for us, it's always about somebody that showed intent, meaning somebody went on to an insurance company's website, they filled out a quote for insurance, and they've opted in, this is really important, they've consented to receiving a call and a text from that organization. So it's not a surprise. Now, the problem is, and and part of the reason why we exist is that those organizations, uh, let's just call it yesterday, what they would do is they'd call you at a time when it's not convenient for you, when it's most convenient to them from a number you don't recognize. And that typically results in that consumer or prospect not answering that phone call and ignoring your phone calls indefinitely. (laughs) So we just found a better way to do it. And it's not easy either. We do this, uh, we hold hundreds, we've held hundreds of millions of conversations to date. We understand intent and dispositioning so that we're continuing conversations with consumers that want to continue those conversations and we're stopping conversations immediately for those that prefer to have them in other channels. So it's something that we've, uh, we've been perfecting over time that is really taking hold not only just in brands trying to reach their prospects, but also from the customer experience side.
1: Well, and I, I think there's a really important point that you that you touched on there, and that's the idea of consent, of opting in, especially with all of the, the privacy laws, you know, the, the California Consumer Privacy Protection Act. I mean, it started with GDPR was probably the first biggest one that was known, but I think last time I checked, there were like 18 or 19 states that had different levels of consumer privacy. Uh, legislation in play and so that concept of I consented to this I've set up my marketing my experience with my individuals so that there is at some point someplace where they have to consent to this gets over what I think a lot of people have an initial reaction to which is texting someone and they have a tendency to think it's texting someone without their permission because then it feels almost invasive
0: exactly right like we don't want to recreate the cold call through texting, it's <laughs> the cold text. It, it's not what we're looking to do. Uh, but but there, are, you know, there are bad actors all over the place, right? There are email marketing, right? There there's kind of spammers. There it used to be a lot worse than it is today. You know, email service providers have found a way to curate those inboxes. There inboxes. There's can't spam. If you have Gmail, they basically sort your email for you. Right. And uh, the same thing's happening with the telephone. Uh, providers are kind of curating the messages and calls that you receive and don't receive. You've probably, and I'm sure some of your listeners have seen the calls that have come in that'll, that'll say spam likely on my phone. I mobile. I don't even get calls and some of them are legit too. Unless I look into my recents, I don't get any notification that if somebody tried to call me depending on when they're calling. It's uh, it's pretty wild. So we're not trying to create the cold call for text. Uh, This is all about people. It's all about consumer preference. It's all about communicating in a channel that's most convenient to them at a time when it's most convenient to them which I think is super important.
1: Well, it's and it's the name of the game these days, right? I mean, everybody has Amazon Prime or Netflix or all of these B2C experiences, which give them what they want, when they want it, how they want it, where they want it on their terms. And those expectations are carrying over into the B2B space. People want the same thing. So companies have to get a little bit more creative in the ways that they're going to engage and also navigate a, a yeah, you know, completely changing and evolving
0: regulatory
1: environment at the same time.
0: You really hit the nail on the head. It's it's a conversation that I've been having with our head of sales recently, and it's all about giving control back to the customer. Because they have yeah, choices. I like that.
1: I like that. They do have choices. They do. They are they definitely do. And so have you not that I want to call anybody, any company or or bad actor out, but could you illustrate without throwing anybody under the bus an example of where you've maybe seen texting or, or an attempt at conversational texting attempted that didn't
0: have the desired outcome? So I think that. Push SMS has its place, and here's how I'll define push SMS: It's the SMS message that you receive from a short code phone number, like one two three four five, okay. and from a brand that's looking to kind of blast a message to you. I think a lot of those are very ineffective. I've seen. I think there's a place for them, right? With let's use a company that uh, nobody's heard of before, uh, Chipotle. Okay, (laughs) So so Chipotle sends me texts all the time and it's typically offer based, right? And I might receive that offer, but most of the time I have more questions, right? It's received 50% off on Halloween. If you wear a costume, uh, great. Does that apply to guacamole? Does this apply to, uh, your soft drinks or maybe I just want to say thanks for the offer. And if I say thanks, typically what I would get back from them is, a auto response that reads, I'm sorry, I didn't quite understand that. To opt out, please hit stop, please hit remove, or please type in stop or remove. So there are lots of moments like that and and probably millions of examples where brands are really missing out on an opportunity to have a conversation with their customers. And the customers that are reaching back out are going to be your best customers. And right now you're not giving yourself an opportunity to do that unless you're doing something like we're doing with conversational texting. That's really the key missing moment, is going from this push notification strategy to let's really understand what our customers are looking to achieve, let's listen to them, and let's reward them for engaging with us. Yeah, and so you've
1: been doing you know, four years, you said you've been at this, do you have a, an example of a client success story that you can share with the audience?
0: Yep, Uh, so I'd say one of our better well-known ones is uh, Liberty Mutual, and uh, their use case is super interesting, right? They're in this space of insurance where uh, size matters, right, scale matters, and uh, we help them do something very different than some of their other competitors are doing and the way that they're following up with prospects that are looking to uh, sign up with them for auto or home insurance. So I think that's one of our biggest use cases, one of our biggest brands that, that people instantly recognize. Another great use case for us is on the home services side with a company called uh, 3 Day Blinds. They do kind of made-to-order, hand-measured custom blinds for your home and uh, it's an involved process and you get an amazing quality product as a result of it, but there's many stages within that process where a conversation is necessary. And I think a lot of companies can learn through this, just like insurance too, where you've inquired about their service, right? You might've filled out a lead form. Then you need to schedule an appointment. Then you might need to confirm that appointment. Then you might need to follow up with that appointment. Then the appointment happens and there's a quote. Then there's a sell. There's there's so many steps in a sales process where having that conversation could be the difference between attrition and gaining a customer. But those are two of our biggest, uh, I would say, are two of many of our success stories that uh, I think a lot of companies can relate with. And so, tell us a little
1: bit more about Drips. Is this is conversational texting, kind of the the meat and potatoes, or or is there a portfolio of offering? You know, how did the company come about? What's the story there?
0: Yeah, the story is all about finding a way to communicate with consumers at scale in a way that helps brands, and I'll use air quotes, again, seem small, right? So when you're having a conversation with Jonathan at the insurance company that's doing conversational texting, as a consumer, you feel heard. You're able to respond. You're able to hold long conversations over a period of time. And when we we came about four years ago, uh, there weren't any companies doing it like this. They were doing those Chipotle text messages. (laughs) using emails um, cold calling is still a thing most companies are using a call center that have a long kind of complex sales cycle to engage with consumers and people have just had enough with picking up the phone or being interrupted having having their time stolen from them which is what happens when you answer a phone call from a, a number you don't recognize they're literally stealing your time away and it's the most valuable asset that we have so that's why we were bored. Conversational texting is a category that, that we created that we're doubling down on. Uh, we're super hyper-focused on these types of programs. And really, there's so much opportunity out there to do better by consumers by, by implementing this strategy.
1: Yeah, I love it and it is, it's all about being respectful. In in my opinion, it boils down to respect. Respect for the individual, respect for yourself, respect for the, the fact that time is the most valuable asset that we have. All right, let's change direction here a little bit. I ask all of our guests two standard questions at the end of each interview. The first is simply as a VP of marketing, that makes you a prospect for very many sales professionals out there. I'm sure you're getting pinged all the time. I'm always curious to understand when somebody doesn't have a referral into you, when somebody doesn't have that trusted path that makes you, you know, just open up time on your calendar, what is the most effective way for someone to you know, pique your curiosity, uh, demonstrate the credibility and earn the right to get some time to have a conversation with you about potential solutions they may be able to provide to problems you might have?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. Interestingly, now for in the last few months, I, uh, the the amount of um, solicitations that I've received have, have drastically reduced. Um, I don't know if my inbox is just getting better with filtering them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't really know what it is, honestly, but I um, haven't received been receiving as many as I used to. But I will say, though, as as a as a marketer, you're 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 really in tune when you're getting sold to, right? I think you really, you can understand where they're coming from. And sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad. So what I'll say is when the the companies or the sales individuals that are successful, when they get through to me, it's because they've done their homework. So they've gone, I would say, two steps beyond just your general context, right? They've gone a little bit further than just going to my LinkedIn profile and saying, hey, Jonathan, looks like you have a long commute to work. (laughs) <laughs> I'd love to talk to you about you know, my product and service here. The ones that have gotten through have done a little bit of homework. It might have been a website audit where they, did, uh, they pulled a report based on the amount of keywords that our website's ranking for, or they did an audit of our social media, or they did some research on our industry to understand where there might be more opportunity. But the net of it is is that they did a little bit of homework to get my attention to the point where it's almost irresistible to respond like i have to it's like oh you got me <laughs> <laughs> oh, like here's a report of uh, how your website's performing compared to these two companies and they're the right two companies and i go right. oh, okay you got me right or <laughs> it's um hey do you wish you could be doing better in this area of your business like i can tell that you know there's some inconsistencies here based on what i'm seeing right and i go ah oh, Yes, or <laughs> yeah, if they've done that, and, and, and by the way, that's not a huge, I'm not looking for free work, right? They just went right. with that little extra mile. They ran me through a little auditing system. They, I'm sure they standardized those things on their end. They know what they're doing. That's how you get through, I think. You, you go a little bit beyond context, uh, two degrees beyond context into giving something of value, I think yeah. is what it comes down to.
1: Love it. All right. And so last question, we call it our acceleration insight. If there was one thing you could tell sales, marketing, or professional services piece, uh, people, one piece of advice you could give them that you believe would help them hit their targets or exceed them, what would it be and why? Ooh,
0: it's a good one. I would say, do the work and ask for help when you need it. There's a, a term that I think about inside my head. I don't know if it's widely used, but there's um, you don't always need to be the hero in your organization right i think there's there's something to be said about team it's actually one of our core values and it's i can't but we can and i think that applies across the business and i think successful sales marketing operations account people i think they can all benefit from thinking about how the team can help them reach their goals and even if you're a salesperson, right you've got your own quota right but you're not alone there's going to be other people that want the same thing a uh, high degree of alignment across the company Uh, if you're working for a good company, there's going to be people that want to help you out. I want to help everybody win if I can. If I have a superpower in my tool belt that can help close the next deal, ensure the success of the next QBR, help run a report that I know how to write, run that they don't, whatever it might be, I'm going to do it just because I know how much that means to me when somebody goes out of their way to help me out with a goal. So again, it's one of those things I think that are easier said than done, but incredibly valuable once you unlock it. Yeah, absolutely. Jonathan, if a listener's interested in talking more about these topics,
1: talking about drips or anything like that, where would you like us to send them?
0: You can check me out on LinkedIn, uh, Jonathan Pogat, P-O-G-A-C-T. You can also check out our newly launched website at drips.com. Relaunch, redesign website. Redesign, brand new. Yes, brand
1: new. <laughs> Excellent. I can't thank you for taking the time to be on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Chad. This was great. All right, everybody, that does it for this episode. You know the drill, b2brevexec.com. Episode, we'll share it with friends, family, coworkers. If Feel like if you leave us a review on iTunes. Until next time, we at Value Selling Associates wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.